Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good morning. You're tuning in listening to Cinematic Odyssey. You're on United to the Moves. Uh, last week, uh, you heard us talk about. Um, I forgot. <laughs> it's felt like <laughs> forever. It was Gone Girl. It was Gone Girl. Yeah, yeah, Gone Girl. Gone. Girl. <laughs> I'm your host. Uh, you know, I'm I'm your co-host Tristan, and uh, alongside with me, I got Max. Um, Hello. Well, we're not really alongside each other. We're about three thousand miles apart. So, but either way, we're talking about um, a film that not many people know about. That's kind of was lost um, during the after. Well, even like during its release, um, this was a film that wasn't necessarily too well received and wasn't particularly popular um within the communities that it was shown in that being cuba and russia uh, because it is a soviet film and even after that it was kind of lost within the canon of filmmaking and it was only rediscovered by martin scorsese and some other um, filmmakers that in the 90s they basically restored it and remastered it and they reissued it um and did a theater run back in the 90s and it it kind of has somewhat of a uh i want to say cult following but something akin to that nowadays but it's still like a film that should be recognized as one of the best of its of its era um and you know it for those that have seen it they they certainly give its praise and this film is called soy cuba or i am cuba uh, directed by i can't even pronounce his name correctly but he directed the famous soviet anti-war film the cranes are flying which i haven't seen yet which i want to see um and i think some other films as well yes but these two being like his most cited and uh, famous works as far as I'm concerned. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've known about this movie for quite some time. I've been wanting to watch it for a while. I'm finally glad I've finally came around to watching it. I've lo- I loved it. Um, moved me to tears, actually. It was very powerful, um, a very humanistic film. Um, it's deeply embedded in its politics. I mean, it is a propaganda film. Um, but even then, like during, because it was released in the '60s, so it was post uh, Cuban Revolutionary War um, or Cuban Revolution, and the power of its message is kind of like not lost, but wasn't as hard hitting as it would have been if it was released before uh, Castro took over the Batista regime. Um, but either way, it's a it's a beautiful film. I mean, I loved it. What are your like uh, first impressions of it? I mean, it's it's a very very interesting dynamic because it's released in the early '60s after Castro comes into power, and the setting of the film is from before, so it's really kind of uh, if if we're it is a propaganda film as as you said. And 
working on that like idea it's propaganda for not so much you know reject the previous institution join behind the the revolution the rebels because this is a just cause this is a good cause look at how these people are suffering it serves more of a remember how bad things used to be look which is i i find i think it just alters what the message would have been at the time um but like i'll be honest going in i was having difficulty shaking the fact that you know or separating the propaganda from the art making um you know it it's beautiful it's well written it's well shot it's stunning but i i couldn't get old, like in the process i couldn't get over the hurdle of like didn't wasn't castro also kind of beating up on a lot of people during his his rule did did this really change all that much and i was doing some research yeah it did really did i mean the people that are depicted in this film are all lower class all you know working hard they're young um some are young um and they're 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 trying their best to just make ends meet and get through to the next day and for them actually i i did read that under castro their their lives did improve and that it you know works as a film to say remember how bad everything used to be i mean i was ex i'll be honest i was expecting spanish language and it was it, it wasn't spanish yeah it was like most, predominantly it was yeah but then seeing the opening credits in cyrillic i was like wait a, wait just a second because i forgot everything that you had told yeah. me about this being a soviet film directed by russian i'm like oh mikhail oh that that's totally a a, a spanish name <laughs> cuban guy <laughs> is a cuban guy. Oh, cuban guy just just super super russian yeah yeah oh yeah and it had a lot of uh production troubles it was like there was a lot of um delays in filming uh with this film it wasn't it wasn't well funded whatsoever no. and there was a lot of problems with with uh yeah filming it um but despite that i mean i think the resulting film i mean it's the images produced are just stunning. I mean, the 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 things they do with the camera in this is awe-inspiring. It's incredible. I don't know how they pulled off some of these shots, um, like to to produce you know the images that they did. But um, I mean, yeah, I I think it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen in my life. It was impressive. Yeah, and. The great thing, and I think what, what works really, really well for it is that, you know, the, the plot, the story is broken up into four mini stories. Characters are not recycled. Um, when one segment ends, that's the last we see of these characters. And we move into the next one and we meet new people. So it's essentially four short films spliced together with that same common theme with the narration of um, 
the woman as Cuba. Um, I think that that structure works so, so, so well to, you know, make it all really, really um, cohesive. We, we flow from one piece to the other. We're not swept along on one sweeping tail from of one person. We're led to believe this is what's going on for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it, it, you know, that um, lends well to the the nature of the film, it being about people and about the the struggles that they endured. It's not necessarily about like because I mean the propaganda is there, but I don't think that's the main aspect of the film. I don't get swept up in like, oh, this is very pro Castro. I mean, which it is, but it's not. And I I never felt it was in my face. I always felt like this is about the people and for the people. You know, that's that's what I felt when watching the film. Um, so. And that was your favorite part about it, too, right? The human mm-hmm. aspect that it was focusing on people and not just, um, you know, preaching ideology. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean there's probably films that were made that were just like, I don't know, documentaries because, you know, America does this where it's like pretty staunch propaganda of pro country, whatever country it is, propaganda documentary kind of thing, uh, which this film is not. It's not at all like that, uh, which, you know, it could have fallen into that trap pretty easily. But I never I don't even think we ever see Castro on screen. Maybe we do. I no, right? I don't know. I have I no idea. So. No, I don't think we do. I mean, his name's mentioned quite a bit. Yeah. Um in a couple of vignettes. Uh but other than that, it's more so about like the character of each little short story and uh, they're the focus of of that like that space that they take up. You're exactly right. And each each of them kind of get mm, yeah, each of them get screwed over in some way, shape, or form by either a large company or the government, uh, the previous dictatorship, which I don't remember his Bautista. name. Uh, Bautista. I forget his first name, but the Bautista regime, yeah. Yeah. Every 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 main character has kind of been screwed over in that in that vein by Either the previous regime or you know, uh, a, a wealthy landowner in 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 charge, um, visiting American, more literally, um, and oh, gosh, I mean, it was very, very, very lovely. Like, I mean, it sucks. Everybody's experiencing bad things happening to them in this movie. One guy gets cheated out of his entire uh, crop that he worked so hard, loses an engagement. Uh, there's what? Um, I mean, actual death. Yeah. Um, someone dies. Uh, someone loses her home by a, yeah. a bombing run. Yes, a man loses all of his land because it's basically stolen from him by um, like a fruit corporation. Yeah, it gets sold out. Um, of yeah, 
Uh, what else? Yeah, a woman who's like a prostitute. She's trying to make. She lives in like literal cardboard box, like shack, like the slums, but worse than the slums that you can imagine. It's horrible, like horrible living conditions. And then her like lover, whatever, finds her and like, you know, whatever. Um, and then what else? Oh yeah, uh. A student gets killed, gets executed by the police because he was like administering yeah. um pro Castro like pamphlets, like revolutionary pamphlets. Yeah. And there was that was it, right? That it was only I four. Mean, the work of the police to say that Castro is dead to hopefully discourage people from joining the revolution. Right, so there's the four vignettes. Um, the student get you were talking about the police, um, being because I, I mentioned that the, the police executed one of the students because he was handing out revolutionary pamphlets, yeah. Um, and it's this like whole spectacle scene that ensues in, in like the street. There's a lot of people around that see it happen, um, yeah. But it, but before that, the the student, like the main character of that short story, he was tasked to assassinate. Um, was it Bautista? Right? Wasn't it? If I, I think they, I believe that's what he wanted to do. What he was looking at was the chief of police through the scope of the rifle. Okay. But I I was under the impression that everybody else is like, hey, no, don't assassinate everybody anybody because somebody's just going to come and take their place again and they decided like his his friends the other students decide hey don't do that and he's like "Mm, i'm gonna consider it i'm gonna i'm gonna Mm. maybe do it he doesn't do it but yeah because in that sequence he's very right he has his like sights trained on him but he's like hesitant and exactly. he's scared. He has he has this very this look of fear in his eyes of like the potential consequences of this. Like how many of my friends would die in response to this? Yeah, you know, in retaliation. And there's also the course of conscience. Uh, his two children. Come yeah, out his yeah his he was eating the- breakfast with his family exactly. You know, and it, the action of. You know, the action of killing somebody in front of their children, little children, too, like five and under, is, you know, so despicable in his mind that he's like, no, I'm I'm out. This is if he was alone, maybe. But uh, his wife comes out and brings him brings him breakfast. Uh, His children come out and join him. And that's kind of the deal breaker Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter. Uh, it matters who he's in front of. And that's sort of, I think, a little bit of nobility given to radical, um, progressive at that time causes that, yeah. you know, we we want to overthrow this system of power, but we're not barbarians. We're not going to be diabolically evil. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. And I think that's just a tool that uh, our director uses to... Uh, Say hey, we we're we're the, we're the good guys. See see how we didn't kill him, and then mm-hmm. shoes on the other foot, 
the police chief, I think, is the one who starts the uh, firing. Yeah. I mean, he's going to he's walking towards him with a rock in his hands. But, you know, the entire battalion of police just kind of open up on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you say was your favorite vignette of the floor? Ooh. I. You know, I actually. Ooh, of the four. I think that the second one was my favorite. The one with the old farmer. The farmer. The farmer. Yes. Yeah. Because it was, it's a short, simple story um, that so easily highlights the injustice and doing something about it ends up being fatal to, you know, the victim in the entire situation. Um, because he died he, after being informed that his land is no longer his land, his house is no longer his house, and that his most profitable crop ever is, has been swept in and purchased by somebody else, and that he's not allowed to make any money off of it. He sets fire to everything and his house, and then dies due to smoke inhalation, or at least passes out and implied dead among the fire. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so brief, but it does the same excellent job as each of the other three at kind of showing outside influence knocking down the little guy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he's so powerless, there's nothing he could do about it. Right. Because it's not like he could just he can't he there's nothing he could do he can't fight back and the only way to fight back was well to set everything ablaze like just a big uh middle finger to the to the corporation the 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 owner of the the corporation um and to the the head of state at that time because it's like you know he he works hard to to care for the land and to grow all these crops and then out of nowhere um and not even like consenting to him like he can't even consent to like his land being bought it's just basically stolen from him you know and he loses his home in in the process and he's reduced basically to a slave at that point to work to work these lands for the profit of not even himself but for the owners um who wouldn't even be there they don't and they wouldn't even work the lands themselves um and that's like the crux of the of like yeah most of the inju- the the injustices of like capitalism yeah. right there and why um Many of the farmers, landowners under the Batista regime were basically slaves, uh, wage slaves at the most. And they were fed up with, you know, that regime. And they were like, no, we can't do this anymore. Um, and, you know, they were revolted among the other people that we see also within the film, like the students and then 
the impoverished, the very impoverished. Um, and then uh, the people out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> who are not really involved, but then they get tied up in the mess outside of, you know, things outside of their control. Their house gets bombed and whatnot. So, yeah. What I remember and what I was looking into was um, something from uh, Aaron Sorkin, his 2021 piece being the Ricardos. Um, one of the, 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 I mean, this is the impact of communism in America that it's discussing. It's a week in the running of I Love Lucy. And it's coming out that Lucille Ball was once registered as a communist. And, you know, it's, it's not like she was voting, you know, doing anything like that. And she was cleared by the, you know, the House and McCarthy and all his, uh, you know, red scare trials and all that stuff but the argument in his film is between desi and lucy um about you know what communism is and what communism means and how that impacted his life because all i remember is that i mean from from the film is that desi's upset Okay, Lucy sees the one side that I, I think works well for this film, which is they stood up for the worker, they stood up for the union, they stood up for the people who couldn't really stand up for themselves. And working for those people on the bottom to bring them up to speed. Now, Desi coming from the other side of that with, um, I believe it was either his father or his grandfather, maybe his uncle, um, the mayor of a town in Cuba, a powerful yeah. person, a rich yeah. person in Cuba. Yeah. Their house was burned to the ground. They were forced out uh, on the run, likely going to be killed. This was on the wake of Batista assuming control, though. So I think there's a there's an important distinction to be made there. This is on the on the rise of the Batista? very yeah. This is on the oh, rise. so like before? Oh, okay. So before is, he came to power, his family. This is the rise. Yeah. Oh, okay. The oh. very guy that this movie, I had Cuba talks so poorly about, Bad and about demonstrates him. the conditions so poorly. Mm. I mean, that's an important distinction. But then you know, you, you compare class, and you say, should anybody be treated like this? No. But you know, it's it's sort of. It's this, if you're looking at it from the, from the bottom up, it's they're getting their just desserts. If you look at it from the top down, it's what have I uh, done to uh, reap such pain? Um, right. It's all where you, where you stand. Where you, yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, uh, the... go no, no, you. I was going to pivot completely. To oh, camera work. Oh right, no, no, that's that's definitely a care. I would say a character on of its own. The camera mm, yeah. is sort of like another character on, you know, obviously Cuba being one, and then the ones we see on screen. Um, but the camera has its own motives, I think, with yeah. regards to how it's used, how um, Mikhail uses it. 
and the cinematographer who, for the life of me, I don't even know. Uh, I'd have to look that up, but. <laughs> oh, I have the name of the cameraman, actually. Um, um, Alex yeah. Sander Calzati. But yeah, the, the two of them, their work on this film, I mean, it, that's worthy of a discussion on its own, and we're going to get into that, because, like, I mean, the set pieces um, and the way they move the camera, like, the opening shot, right? Oh, yeah. It opens on the top of a building, like, the roof of a building, a tall building, not, not a skyscraper, but a relatively tall one, like, an apartment complex sort of thing, and some people it's like a party going on and the camera well actually that's not the opening shot technically it's of like the lands of cuba like the island itself yes yes technically that's the opening shot i remember the intro credits the first real scene yeah and the narrate the narrator's talking or cuba is talking um and it's like a poem that repeats uh at the at the end of each vignette right the poem starts or is it at the beginning it in between i would say it's both the start and the end but it opens with i am cuba yeah soy cuba yeah yeah yeah. um but yeah the opening shot outside well after the intro credits after the opening credits yeah we're on top of a a building people's there's people partying whatever and the camera moves past above these people's heads and then it begins to kind of go down uh onto a lower level like lots of feet down maybe like 50 60 feet 100 feet down like a rope i assume that they used to hold the camera yeah (laughs) down this like little corridor and then like so fluidly they get that camera off the rope or whatever and then it becomes a handheld shot um just observing all of the people at this party uh going into the pool it goes into the pool right underwater yep oh yeah like incredible incredible stuff um so creative and it's just a perfect hook into the film i'm like oh my gosh this is amazing how how are they doing this They have that that ability. Um, like I, I, I've heard stories of how they were shooting Birdman in 2014 or 13. Um, this does it so well, the long, continuous shot. And it's just continuously look. It's like it's looking. The camera's like looking around, looking for somebody else, looking for, you know, what, what am I going to stare at next? More, you're exactly right. It's a character um, in and of itself trying to tell the story having choices having decisions to make as to where it goes yeah and this is a big part of why i think the film is so human and so sympathetic to the people on the screen is it's like the there isn't any um it takes so much care and patience with the characters that we see on the screen like the you know the editing the lack of cuts that we don't typically see it's mostly it's long takes yeah there isn't like rapid like back and forth there aren't when there are conversations going on where, where there is seldom any there isn't really many conversations it's more or less more so like 
wide shots of like the two people in the conversation, not not necessarily like over the shoulder where it's like what we typically see where it's like cut to this person's face and then that person's face back and forth. Yeah. It's more so. All right, here, let me show you the entire conversation, like everybody in it, because um, it's not a, it's not about individuals. It's about everyone. Right. And that's right. kind of a core to the, you know, the ideas of communism. It's not just about you. It's about what we can do as a collective. Us power, you know, we're more powerful together than us fragmented and uh, trying to figure this stuff out individually, which we can't, you know, against the 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 fascist Batista regime uh, that they were suffering under. Um. So and and that that I think is so powerful about one of the most powerful aspects of this film. And I I think one more cool thing is that they they don't use many wide shots. They don't pull back from the action too much and say, "Oh, look at how everything is shaping up." Usually the camera is either right on top of somebody following them. It's in the midst of a crowd of people. So it's really close to everyone. It's in the face. It's in the room. It's not, you know, putting a wall of separation between the characters and the camera. It's right in the room with them. And I think that that also helps make it more human not just in, in, in how it travels, but how it, um, where it's placed, you know, keeping it close, it makes it kind of feel like, oh, it's just a, a five foot six other guy. And we're just looking through the, uh, this person's eyes. Hmm. Um, it's you, it's you, the viewer. That's way better. Yeah. You, the viewer being in that room or being in that place with those people. And experiencing the things that they're experiencing. Yeah. Um, like so, you know, in the, the bar slash club sequence, um where we see the dance or whatever that's going on, which there's probably some commentary about like um like the stealing or the the taking away of the Cuban culture and kind of um I wouldn't say dismantling it, but there's there's a better word for it where you're kind of making it a farce for like entertainment, not necessarily, you know, uh, conserving yeah. it for, you know, the the tradition that it is or that it may be. I mean, I don't know. I'm not Cuban, so I have no idea. I may be wrong, but um, that's that's that place that we see is like there's a bunch of Americans there. Um, where they're on vacation or business related trips. Um, I know before the Castro took over, there was a lot of American businessmen and like the mafia as well. The Italian mafia were, you know, trying to get in on Cuba, like for casinos and stuff yeah. and other things to make money. But we see, we do see a couple of Americans in the, in the film and they're the way that they're portrayed there, there. <laughs> There's commentary there too. Yeah, I mean it's pretty it's comical. It's pretty comical, like their voices. Yeah, uh, like just the way they spoke, um, was certainly like a character, a caricature of of um Americans, 
it wasn't <laughs> yeah it wasn't very offhanded about its criticism or critique of us which i mean is more i mean deserved but i think it was pretty funny i wasn't mad or anything about it it was weird 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 to see honestly yeah yeah just you know as an american i mean we're used to you know seeing characters of people from other places to see it done back at us it was like oh (laughs) it's it's a it's a look at you know how how maybe we were seen in the 50s and 60s and you know like placing that first vignette with uh inside and i I, the way i saw that was it's inside of an american hotel and casino Uh and that it's the the businessmen it's the americans spot to be it's it's their piece that they own it's not the it's not, not Cuban. It's not their it, it's not the people of Cuba's uh land anymore. It is owned by somebody else. Right. And it's it's that that taking. And even with the kind of <clears throat> like they do a the, the the you know the drawing of lots to decide which girl goes with which guy. Mm-hmm. That sort of um the removal of agency from any Cuban person, especially these women here, that triggers the um, the the you know repeated theme of these people are no longer in control of their own lives. It's being controlled by somebody else who, who wouldn't be here if it weren't for the Bautista regime. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's exactly right. Uh, it's kind of like um, an intrusion. It's an invading force, right? They're invaders of this like land that the Cubans have known for generations, and there are these people that are coming in and like stealing it, taking it away from them, and bastardizing it uh, for their own pleasure. Um, and well, that's what that first vignette is particularly specifically about. Is you know, this Cuban woman who is trying to make a living and, you know, she's like a prostitute pretty much. And so she is kind of like, you know, she doesn't want to do it, as you can tell from her face. Like she this is the last thing that she would want to do, but she doesn't really have much of a choice. Um, And so she, they go back to her home, which is very bad. I mean, it's literally like i don't know how to s- describe it it's just like scrap metal and like cardboard shack if you made a fort when you were a kid out of um instead of it being trees on the ground out of you know just flaps of wood and metal and cardboard that's kind of the the place that she lives yeah She's got and, a bed in there, but not much else. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. incredibly makeshift. Yeah, very like extremely impoverished, like very poor. I mean, yeah. Um, so they go back, you know, whatever they do their thing. We don't see any of it, but you know, it's implied, obviously. And then the next shot we see is them. Waking up in the morning and her lover's friend, whatever, comes in 
and he's Beyonce. singing like he sings like he's very he's a very optimistic guy he sells fruit from a fruit stand and hmm. what i presume is havana yeah um yeah and uh you know he's a, he sings a lot he's a very joyful guy and he shows up and he stops singing and he is very heartbroken and then that's like kind of the end of the of the thing and the american guy he just kind of leaves doesn't say a word yeah and it's just like well there's nothing you could do about it you know he, yeah he's not he's not particularly afraid of the of the dude no. he just kind of like leaves and it's like yeah well you're not gonna do anything to hurt me because i could hurt you way worse yeah um, that sort of thing and it's like you know it's it's horrible um but yeah that's like the first vignette um and then the second one yeah the farmer which we talked about but yeah even before before that second one starts we see uh doesn't don't we see the american like walk through the slums right yes yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of children, you know, mopping around him, and he's he's kind of disoriented. He doesn't know where to go because he's so far removed from, you know, like uh, stories of oh gosh, we went we went to this place, but we left the resort, and uh, you're completely blindsided by the real live, li- Ooh, that wasn't even a word, real lives of people who actually live there as opposed to the glitzy yeah. glamour of the fancy um, niche of this is the hotel. This is the place owned by the hotel. These are the safe places to go. These are the places uh, sanctioned by us. And then you leave that and you're like, wait a minute, this is a whole other world essentially. And I think there's a yeah. lot of, there's, there's so much importance in that being the first vignette. I think like, I think if you reorder these, they don't work um, because you start with those opening credits and you see the Island and you see the forest and the trees and the natural beauty. I mean, you can tell it's beautiful, even if it, it, you know, even through the black and white film, like we're, we're going through the Hills, we're going to the mountaintops. We're seeing, you know, the, um, the lagoons and the caves and all the good, wonderful stuff. Um, that's natural about this place. And the first, to lead us into this first scene, we go to the populated resort center. Oh, here's a skyscraper. Here's an American casino. Here's a bunch of people who are all speaking English, you know, going down a water slide or walking downstairs. Oh, here's the pool. Here's the Lido deck. You know, here's the Americans in the ballroom. It's sort of, another piece of these people are out of place here. These people don't belong here. It's not a a mindset of assimilation. It's a mindset of they don't belong. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, like him walking through the, that area and seeing all the, all the people that live there. And there's a lot of children. Oh yeah. um, Which just adds to the depressing nature of it all. And it, and it's, yeah, like you said, it, if it was reordered differently, it might not have been as strong or as powerful, but yeah, it sets the tone perfectly. It's like, this is the reality for a lot of Cubans 
um, during that time. And, you know, you see like, and I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm like in shock. I was in shock. I was dumbfounded by how, you know, that could even, well, I mean, of course that would happen, but I'm not shocked by that. But just, uh, just the sole number of people that were there and living in those conditions, it was, uh, horrifying. Um, but also eye-opening and, you know, maybe to the American that was walking through that, maybe there was like sort of like an enlightening moment for him, I would hope. I mean, I don't know. We don't see him again, but, you know, you can only hope, right? Where he'd be a change of heart, change of mind for him and his like lifestyle or whatever. Um, but yeah, and the camera again. It's yeah, it's like close. It's slowly like, isn't it following him from behind him? Right. If I recall correctly, it's it's pretty much. Yeah, it follows him across like he steps across the rocks over this like. Creek that's most likely heavily contaminated with either pollution or waste or any any combination of those things. Um, And as he gets to the other side, he kind of doesn't know where he's going. He followed her to her place. He's like, hey, can we go to yours? She's like, okay. And they he follows her. He doesn't he has no <laughs> okay. idea where he's going. Yeah. He has no idea where he's going. Yeah. He no. is absolutely lost. Yeah. And he's just kind of getting mobbed. Yeah, by all these people. Cause yeah. like, you know, from their perspective, he's like, this is the problem. This is the this is the exact person that we don't like. And but none, no one like touch, no one really attacks him. They're just kind of like looking at him. They're giving this look of judgment and disdain. Um, and you know, it's yeah, it's very, I it's a it's a it sets the tone extremely well for the rest of the film, uh, for what to expect, you know, from from the other parts, you know, the you know, leading into the farmer immediately after this is is uh more just more striking evidence um i guess from the political aspect the propaganda aspect of like a, you know anti-batista or whatever but um and then you know the camera the camera does this like interesting thing it, it, at the end of when he like when we stop following the guy it kind of lifts mm-hmm. up and you see the the land, like how much uh, of the slums kind of like expand out over the land. Um, and it seemingly goes on for miles. And then do we see, do we see like a contrasting shot of like the city? Like the more wealthy I part think of we the do. city? Yeah, right? I think you're absolutely right. We definitely have a skyline shot. It might be in the beginning, but we definitely have a skyline shot to start to book in the beginning and then we're able to see the end yeah okay it's like that stark contrast of the two different worlds on on the same plate in the same place um one being the natives and one being the invaders um yeah per- it's incredible and then yeah and i'd say the the third part the student bit 
being probably my favorite part or mm. the last one. I mean, I love I love the entire film. I love every single like vignette, but the the student aspect or the student one, the third one was uh particularly powerful, at least for me. Especially the sequence after you know the the student gets killed, um, and they do the oh, funeral yeah. procession for him. Wow, I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, going through the streets and then lifting up and going inside the the cigar making room um on like one of the top floors of the buildings and like going through that workspace and you see the workers you know handing each other the cuban flag for them to like wave it outside on the balcony and you it goes kind of goes through the the cuban flag and you see all of these people on their balconies and all of these people on the streets lining up um and aren't they? They're singing, right? I believe so. Yeah, it's they're not, singing. I don't. I don't think it's subtitled, so I don't think the words are important. But it's the, um, it's everybody united together behind the cause of this one student who who was killed. Yeah. Um, and and we we it's established that you know he is he's. You know, at least got some morality. He's got some idea to stand up for the people around him, and and he he supports the Cuban people and he supports their cause and he he stands by them, as indicated. With there's a woman, um, who's walking through the street and there's a bunch of, I think they're American sailors, but they've got the kind of stereotypical sailor garb. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And That's there's right. a crowd of like seven of them. Yeah. And she's trying to uh, escape them and evade them. And they're, they're, they're hitting on her. They're harassing her. They're trying to get her to come back with them. Um, and they're not going to stop until she does. And, they and so she her. runs and runs into Enrique, which is his name. Um, and she hides behind him. And the, the seven or eight guys all stop when they see him. And that kind of, they're like, all right, she's protected, but like, I feel like it's the attitude of we could take you, but why would we? Why would we fight at all? Because mm. I th- I feel like the the sailors are like entitled almost. They feel like they deserve her. Yeah, uh, and that's not at all how anything works. Yeah, 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 and. You know, I, I do want to draw a little bit of a parallel. You know, I, I we definitely have to talk more about Enrique. We definitely have to talk about the, the fourth one and Mariano. But um, just a little bit of a parallel between this and RRR. Mm. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. RRR, our other big... Oh, my God, that's four of them. Um, <laughs> our other big... Um, <laughs> like, kind of national pride um film i think i mean the 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 difference between i mean soy cuba is way more humanist realist less outrageous and it makes it more real more dramatic more devastating it doesn't you know 
mean that RRR has a diminished effect on that, that, you know, story, but Soikuba is like, like, this is serious. This is real. This is what's happening. And I mean, it, it might also have a piece to do with when they were made. RRR coming out last year, about a hundred, about the time period a hundred years ago. Soikuba coming out in the sixties, about five years ago for them. Um, and, and there's that, that distinction in RRR. They talk about and, and they, they, they cultivate a image of strong national pride without it being nationalistic and saying we are better than everyone. And that's not what happens in Swaikuba. They're not saying we are better than everyone. They're saying we just want to reclaim what's ours, which is a very similar message to throwing out the British Empire. Um, yeah. we, want, we want these, I mean, it sounds rough. We, it, to say foreigners is... is colored but we want these invaders out we want these conquerors out the colonialists yes imperialists bingo yeah and it takes that kind of stance and say not just to say we want them out but this is what they're doing to us providing a reason for why we want them out and i it, it's based in Soikuba is based in incredibly strongly in that here's what's actually happening as a result of that. And it's all that. It's this is the fault of the Bautista regime. This is the fault of the businesses. This is the fault of the ma massive corporations. This is the fault of the uh, country selling out to corporate America putting the blame on them and saying because they've done this look at what look at what's happening yeah. to ordinary people right mm -hmm. yeah and that's like yeah i mean it's just oh, i can't i can't i just can't get enough of it i mean i just that's like one of my the commentary of the film is just so um yeah it's just very clear about you know who the enemy is but not necessarily like like advocating to you know massacre everyone it's not like that you know it's not in that vein but necessarily yeah like reclaiming what what is rightfully ours um yeah. and and kicking them out essentially not necessarily like oh you know we got to kill all of you it's not about that it's not about revenge it's about Yo. just you know, leave us alone. Let us be us. You know, it, let us yeah. deal with our own our own problems. And it it's like the only threats of violence and and retaliation that we see. Um, you know the um, the people that we follow, the only people that we see them fight with and exchange gunfire with and exchange uh, injury and death with, are humans themselves they're not attacking a, a u.s base they're not attacking or you know recruiting the help of you know soviet um troops they're not you know burning the italian or the spanish or the belgian flag they're yeah. 
the, the, the scenes with violence are with the student in which they face off against the Cuban police mm-hmm. and the final vignette in which it's more of the Cuban army. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a civil war. I mean, that's what it was. The Cuban exactly. civil war. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're facing off against themselves. It's You're exactly right in saying that it's not a we need to, you know, eliminate everybody who is not Cuban. It's a get on board with our way of life. Yeah. It's, it's, this is what you're doing to us. This is our way. Listen, we shouldn't have to assimilate to you. Right. Like the, it's, it's very clearly like there is the Cubans that are trying to preserve the way of life before Bautista. And then there's the pro Bautista Cubans who are, you know, allowing these outside invaders influence and power uh, to kind of take control of of uh, the ordinary people that are just kind of, you know, trying to chill and live their life <laughs> and making it worse, making it a living hell. And, you know, they had enough of it and were like, all right, we got to fight back. You know, we can't just like let them steamroll over us continuously. Yeah. And hope that one day they have a change of heart which is never you know was never going to happen unless they actually did something about it which they did um but yeah and like and exactly that's what happens in the fourth vignette right you have this dude and his family who live in the middle of nowhere um quite literally in the middle of the mountains nowhere and um you know they're not really involved in any of the civil um, strife and turmoil of the city of Havana, of Havana, and you know they get caught in the middle of it by a bombing raid or run because the Cuban army is trying to find this guy who I thought I thought it was Fidel. I I don't know if it was was it that dude who was like in the jungle, like escaping the army or something like that. Yeah, was it Fidel? That's not the way that I I saw it. The way I saw it, it was just a soldier. Because I read it like this. Um, Exactly as as Tristan described, you know, the the, um, guy and his family living in the middle of the forest, just kind of existing. Revolutionary soldier comes and visits would you consider joining arms and joining us in the fight against Batista? And he says, no, I'm good here. I want to stay out of it. I want to stay at peace. I, I am a peaceful person. And I would like to, you know, not put my hat in the ring. And they're like, all right. Um, and he, he's very stern about it. He tells the soldier flat out to just leave. Um, and then his house is bombed and destroyed he has to flee with his family, uh, wife and children, I believe. Two children, something like that. Uh, I think it was three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Three, three definitely. Two, something like that. More than one. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, there's that switch in his mind. Oh my goodness, my livelihood, my home, my place to live is gone, and it's been taken out by an indiscriminate bombing raid by the Cuban army, because. It was, they don't care. They didn't care about who who was aligned with who. They didn't like draw a map and say, okay, you have to bomb this shack specifically. 
<laughs> because this person is the family of a revolutionary. They're like, well, bombs away. Destroy everybody. <laughs> wanton yeah, bombs away. Bomb voyage. Absolute wanton destruction of their yeah. own people. Yeah. And that's what what gets him into it. And that's what spurs him into that, you know, revolutionary uh, mindset. And he join he joins up. Right. Yeah, and it's like Yeah, people like him who again did were not involved in any way, shape, or form. And then they do get involved by stuff out of the control because, you know, then, you know, he loses his house. He loses his livelihood. What else is he going to do? You know? Um, and then, it you know, he joins the Revolutionary Army and the film ends with them, <clears throat> like, charging into Havana or wherever it was. Uh, very powerful ending. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and you see, like, it kind of like focuses out of just him and we kind of see a lot of these, you know, it's just regular people. It's not necessarily like these soldiers who are trained to fight, you know, it's like farmers. Um, I mean, mostly farmers, but like just regular people, you know, are just kind of like their livelihoods were stolen from them and they're trying to fight back and reclaim that. And then we see, you know, we see all of them charging and uh, to fight against the Cuban army. Um, and it's, it's, God, it's such a, it's such a powerful image of yeah. them, you know, ending it like that. Because uh, it's not, again, it's not a fight. The fight that they were fighting wasn't necessarily for, like, themselves individually but just like it's this is the national struggle this was a struggle for of cubans this is a cuban struggle um and they you know they were it, it wasn't about doing it for castro it wasn't for you know it wasn't doing it because it was castro you know it could have been somebody else who was in charge um but you know, it doesn't matter who who was leading the revolution. It, that that wasn't important. What was important was that they were together. They were, you know, doing it for each other uh, and whatnot. Right. So I, I think I think that's how like the propaganda, like the pro Castro propaganda, isn't necessarily too strong. I, I, that's what I mean. Like at the beginning, it wasn't right. as Handed to me, mm -hmm. like I didn't. No, totally. I I didn't feel like oh I didn't feel like after watching it I was like oh it was just like a pro Castro propaganda film and just kind of dismissed it. No, it's way more than that. It's it's about the humans in the story. It's about the Cubans and their struggles and their daily lives, um, trying to make a better life for them and their family and future generations and whatnot. And that that was kind of what I got out of it, and I thought was like, you know, so powerful, so great about it. Yeah, I think you know, if we want to, you know, juxtapose this to a moment in American history that maybe our listeners know a little bit more about than you know the Cuban Revolution of the fifties and sixties, um, rise of Fidel Castro, 
um, if the way the way I'm looking at this is, you know, if if film were a medium in the 1860s, that it it sits in America, and what I what I imagine how this this how this piece of art would wor- would work as a notably a propaganda film does it stand up for noble causes and does it support a, 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 the the decent idea that these people deserve better yes um but you know using it as a a means to obtain that goal i i i imagine a group of young black filmmakers from the north freed maybe freedmen or maybe uh, they'd been you know first or second generation free um slaves living up mm-hmm. in the north having the capability to use this technology to go I- and set the scene of what life is like under slavery and say yeah. you know it's not that you know we're all american we're all here except these people think that they can control us Right. These people think that they can tell us what to do, and they believe that you know enslavement and owning of a person is a okay and perfectly fine. And using that film to kind of say, "No, it absolutely is not. Don't you dare do that. We are strong. We are capable. And if we work together, we can do whatever it is." And it kind of leads into and feeds into a little bit more of, you know, moral high ground to support the North and the Union Army during the Civil yeah. War right. to say, you know, yeah, you're fighting um, your fellow countrymen, but you're fellow fighting your fellow countrymen who believe that this is an adequate way of life, mm-hmm. dominating and controlling and owning another person. And how would you feel if it were you? being owned right and yeah, traded yeah that's yeah that's a that's actually a perfect example i mean it's the only civil war we've had so well, yeah, that is true <laughs> the <laughs> only one I've got. <laughs> no that's true but no I, I mean that is a that is a good way to put it like within the american lens um yeah because that's yeah that's pretty much what soy cuba is but I mean, it was made after the the Civil War ended, so it was kind of like wasn't necessarily needed, but it was just more like of a hey, a pat on the back, or I mean, or just like yeah, I mean, like a reminder of what what it used to be like. Yeah. Um. But I mean, aside from like the politics of it and the propaganda aspect, I just the film in a vacuum examining human humanity and examining uh you know the the struggles that those characters were going through and i mean it was real you know it's not it's not like what we saw didn't actually happen in reality i mean it happened in real life um you know seeing that put to the screen was uh amazing and it was just very it's a very transcendental experience um to kind of watch that and and extremely powerful i just i can't understate that enough at least for me um i i was taken away i was um you know 
from watching it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the film, I think the for what it is, for what it does, you know, I, it's one of the best of of its decade of, of the 60s. I think it's one of the best films of that decade and probably of that century, personally. Um, and I mean, that 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 is a tall order considering the number of masterpieces that were made during that period of time um, around the world, oh, yeah. specifically in America. I mean, that was like the American <laughs> Renaissance. I mean, that, that was more so the 70s, but like the 60s was kind of like the start of that era. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I just think it's it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful and should be watched i mean and like to set your own biases aside you know whatever your you know politics may be when it comes to that sort of thing uh just watching it from the perspective of like these are human beings and you know their struggles and fighting for a better life yeah uh, is well worthy of a cause uh, to do yeah i mean i i didn't go in go in and go in with the right mindset too because i went in thinking that this was made pre-castro and this was a support this is why you should get behind him this is why you should get behind the cause of the people no that's not the purpose of the film the film is a retrospective of just a few years to say this is what things were like under bautista now that we're under castro remember how awful things used to be Remember how terrible this used to be. This is why you you jump behind the cause, the revolutionary. And this is why we're here now. Yeah. Not, not, not necessarily a cause to be righteous, but a see how your life has improved. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so at the end of the day. No. No, you're gonna say, oh. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, it's not about you yourself i mean yes on in in an aspect sure it's about your own livelihood improving but it's also about you know humanity as a whole it's like we shouldn't be fighting each other over you know stuff whatever how benign it may be or we shouldn't be terrorizing each other especially your own countrymen you know your fellow man uh and like you shouldn't be stealing, robbing from each other, um, and killing each other indiscriminately. Um, you know, we're all humans. We all should be treated. We all should treat each other with love and respect, um, no matter who, no matter what. And I think that's like the main message of this film is like, you know, it's about all of us. Yeah, it's not just about a very select few, and there are going to be people in the way, which the film rightfully, you know, showcases. There's going to be people in the way out of that of that uh, achieving that goal, but you know, I, I think that's that's what the film is about. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So I mean, I love it. I think it's great. It was really good. Yeah. Criterion, uh, release when? (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, ooh, oh gosh, it was well worth it. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I spent the time. I mean, you mentioned this to me, what, two, three months ago that you wanted to see it. And then you did see it. You saw it like a month ago or something like that. Yeah. And it's, you know, still replaying in your head. And it, it's, oh, it's, yes. I mean, it's obviously stuck with you. Really, yes. Really well. Impactful. So, I mean, absolutely speaks to the power of the film. Yeah, almost definitely. Um, and I, I, I've been wanting to watch his other film, The Cranes Are Flying, for even longer because I, I heard about that film first before I heard about Stoic Puba. Um, so that, that I know is a lot more accessible to watch. Um, I know it's on Canopy, but yeah, I'll get to that at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. I think, I th- if I recall, I think um, they are remastering Suikuba, like Janu's films, maybe remastering it. I, I think, I have no idea. Um, Let's see. Um, okay. I actually do, I found this. Um, let's see. Uh, it says that a new 4K re- re- uh, restoration was released. A trailer for that was released. But then the film was removed from their streaming catalog because they sold the license and they're not able to announce either a re-release of the restored version or to say who bought the license. And... Um, I mean, it's kind of vanished from the online community. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Great. Remastered versions just floating out there, sitting on somebody's desktop, probably. Oh, I see. Mm. Okay, so Milestone Films did the restoration. Yes. And they have, and then they sold the, light, the rights to somebody. And that somebody has not disclosed who they are. And they have not made the film available to stream, rent, purchase, or view. Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw it on Canopy, but I don't think that was a 4K restoration. Definitely not. It was definitely not the newest one. Yeah. Oh, no. But, you know, Janus, whoever, Janus Films, which is the most likely, you know, group that may have it or may not have it. They probably do have it. I don't know. I have no idea. But if they do, please release it on <laughs> the collection. Let it be free. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Great and film. Hey. Oh, yeah. And hey, hey, stick around for next week. Oh, yes. Next Indeed. week, we got Michael Mann, our That's first right. Michael Mann. That's right. You know, I I've been looking at his filmography a lot closer, a lot closely, or a lot closer, I should say, uh, as of late. Because um, I mean, the only film that I've known of his is Heat, which a lot of people know about. It's that 1995 crime drama thriller saga, whatever. Well, not saga, but that's what they kind of describe it as. But um, with you know Robert De Niro and Al Pacino as the leads and Val Kilmer in it as mm-hmm. well. Um, like the cat and mouse game kind of film. But 
you know, looking into his other his other films, like he's he is quite is quite the filmography. Um, and he's those outside of Heat, he doesn't really get that. His other films don't really get that much attention. Um, considering how you know massive Heat is and how much of a critis- critical success and how much acclaim that movie gets. Like his other films get, you know, kind of fall through the cracks, such as Thief, which is, his, I believe, is his debut. Um, his full-length feature debut, which features James Caan as the lead character or as the lead uh, lead role. Um, James Caan, famous for playing Sonny in The Godfather, and among other roles that he's done. But yeah, this this is a film that I've been looking forward to watching for quite some time. It basically is James Caan. He plays this bank robber who's extremely good at what he does. Um, and then he he does like this contract. He signs like a contract with some dude to do more jobs or whatever. And then there's a paying dispute where he's not getting paid for the work that he's doing. And so like there's like kind of like a tension between the two. And I guess that's where most of the drama occurs is their their strained relationship, working relationship, where you have the the thief who's not getting paid for his work and his boss who's getting all the money for doing nothing. Yeah. So kind of like an extension of some of the themes of Soy Kuba. Um in similar vein, but not particularly I mean, it's not the exact same thing. It's different, but yeah, I'm looking forward to to watching Thief. That'd be great. Yeah. But yeah, there we are. <laughs> yep. Thank you for uh for listening. It's been uh been a good time talking about Soy Cuba. Next week, Thief, Michael Mann. Um, so that that should be fun. And uh yeah. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Cinematic Odyssey here on United to the Moose. It has been Suikuba forever. <laughs>